Peter was a courageous boy, but that dawn he could feel fear stick to his skin like the dew on leaves. The fog was thick enough to make him lose his way home. He began to hear strange noises coming from the depths of the forest. He noticed a presence, small shadows that seemed to giggle as they moved in his footsteps. But who were they, Grandpa? Cruel, deformed forest dwellers, hearty creatures, spiteful and impudent. They are the vengeful and evil goblins, the little people of the night. But what did they want with him? What did Peter do to the goblins? That's the point. Goblins don't need to justify their cruel acts. They're evil creatures. But please, let me go on. Okay, I won't interrupt you anymore. To make a long story short, Peter began to run and run and run. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of They Made Another One. No, we're not going to teach you about the dangers of drugs. We'll save that for the 80s sitcoms. But it's a very special episode of They Made Another One, the show where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise to see if you should check it out for yourself, because it's the 100th time we have sat down to make this show, which is kind of amazing to me that we've done it so much and with such consistency and to honor the occasion i've got two people with me i'm one of your hosts Corey, and i have liam hello you do hello and mitch when the time comes light the wick in the meantime <laughs> i'll create some confusion with this <laughs> okay uh <laughs> so uh if you've read the title you know we're doing something very special for this episode um mitch is alluding to it a little bit here we'll get to that the very special film of the week, but guys, triple digits. What the fuck? How did we? How did and Corey, we Corey, if you if you really think about it, this is what the hundred and first time we've sat down to do this because there is a fabled lost episode, oh, yes, TMAO, in the books. So we've done this even more than triple digits, and yes, it is it is absolutely amazing. And you know, it's it's not. Um, as big of a weight as I thought it would be. I thought with a hundred episodes behind me, I would like be able to reflect on all these hard times and like these, these occasions where we had to scramble or we had to, I had to like stay up really late watching a movie or adjust my schedule or anything, but it kind of feels like the easiest thing in the world. It's, it's amazing that we've got to a hundred. It feels like uh, just as, just as easy as like looking back and realizing that I've, lived through however tens of thousands of days it's like yeah yep, i guess it's just a given fact because this has become so routine for me yeah it's it's clockwork like we make occasional adjustments but it's been really kind of amazing like the consistency with which we've been able to all sit here and just sort of make the show happen you know um yeah. And Mitch, obviously, we picked up some stragglers along the way. Yeah, I'm just an upstart. I'm, uh, <laughs> some I'm, this is like my 15th episode or something. But, yeah, um, but no, like, even glad to be crashing like, it. We've already done so many with you, even. Like, it's crazy how fast this goes by. Um, 
And to start our hundredth episode, I think I, I speak for all of us when I say thank you to anybody listening, anybody who's been here since day one, anybody who you know saw Troll Two in the title and decided this was the one. Um, no matter how long you've been here, we really appreciate you listening. In about a month or so, uh, in July, we'll be celebrating our two-year anniversary of doing the show also. And that's when we're going to get a little bit more into some of the you know, more retrospective, looking back, looking back at movies that we've done, moments that stick out to us, sort of assessing this triple digit experience but uh in the meantime i think we just wanted to say thank you and we couldn't think of a better way to celebrate than you know keeping the william castle film general in the closet for just another week and um you know saying fuck it and just watching troll 2 the iconic the renowned the impeccably memeable troll too it's been a long time coming in that uh i think just because it's got a two in the title people probably wondered when we were going to get to it as far as i can tell it's not actually a sequel to anything (laughs) so i don't know if it even counts but It's, it's not we're here we've got some experts on tap and we're ready to have a good fucking time with troll too thank you for 100 episodes we're looking forward to 100 more and we're looking forward to uh taking a a long walk down memory lane in a little while, but we have goblins to attend to. <laughs> For now, we're we're in the troll jungle, walking through the the town, the street of Nilbog. Yeah, I'm looking at the poster right now, and it says, uh, "Troll Two is coming to eat a theater near you." What does that mean? Dang, I don't know if you could. I don't know if you could do that tagline now. That sounds too threatening <laughs> to the theater specifically. <laughs> I'm here for it. Turn me into half man, half plant, a goblin's favorite food, and eat me up, troll too. Companies would be like, uh, you can't threaten the business with your troll monsters. And they'd have to be like, well, they're goblins, actually. But it's like, we don't care. You can't, you can't say you're going to eat AMC. We're like a multinational corporation. That's why and they that- wouldn't allow it. The scourge of capitalism simply won't. That's why Troll 2 went direct to video. Yeah, why does it say coming to eat a theater near you this movie was not theatrically released i mean it also it? says one was not enough and there's only one movie so i mean who knows oh, wow coming to well, eat a vhs player <laughs> like, like troll one is fairly like not noteworthy i think like the only thing that's worth mentioning is that like well, they... wait is it okay, not noteworthy okay. or does it not exist it, it exists it exists so this is a sequel uh, it has nothing to do with troll one though like there's but you said it wasn't a sequel mitch it's... you're the guy i would scarcely you're call it a sequel this. it doesn't have anything to do with like goblins or half man half plant nothing like that none of the iconography is there the only thing that that is kind of interesting about troll one in my opinion is that one of the characters is named harry potter and they tried to sue jk rowling about you know taking the character's <laughs> name and of course they lost Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Mitch. I think uh, Troll One, by way of Troll Two's um, iconic status, has now become even more of a curiosity than Troll Two. Uh, when we first started doing this podcast, you know, a hundred episodes ago or whatever, um, I actually had the first troll on 
our our podcast list. It's not on the film Genero. This was pre-Genero days, but I had it in the back of my mind as a movie that we should get to because I thought it would be the reverse. They made another one where it's like everyone knows about Troll 2, but the fact is they actually made another one before Troll 2 called Troll 1 that no one talks about. But uh, with you coming on the podcast, hearing about your love for Troll 2, I think it's just so perfect to uh to stick to troll 2 and uh you know maybe we can hit up the other troll movies someday because there are other ones like there's a troll 3 Ooh, i I think in this case though lee it was totally right like if it ain't broke don't fix it you know people have been discussing this for years 30 years jesus christ um with good reason and um mitch I think it's fair to say you are the most well-versed of us all. How did that happen? Wow. Um, yeah, Troll 2 is just one big double-decker bologna sandwich of a movie. Um, oh, my and God. It's, and, it's, and the references I mean, begin. <laughs> think of all the cholesterol, and it's you know right in my heart. It's, uh, it's a hell of a movie. Um, I first came across Troll 2 when I was like in the seventh great i think my friend ben like told me about it and he was like oh you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and i finally i did and i thought it was like the funniest thing of all time and so like for years like i bought it on my parents itunes with like a 25 dollar gift card and it was like the only <laughs> the only thing on my ipod like the only movie on my ipod for like a decade like an ipod oh, touch. i love big... i love those ipod <laughs> touch movies um, you're a but... big like one movie per hardware guy i am got, a, i am you've got black dynamite on the ps3 <laughs> not anymore actually it's no! gone yeah it's gone um but anyway so jimmy no <laughs> <laughs> jimmy's dead uh yeah so it's 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 a movie that i've like loved over the years and that i've like watched with my friends and revisited but like in those early days i was watching troll 2 like twice a week and uh that's too many times i love it i love it um and so (laughs) it was like the only thing we had on like our itunes too so like if you were like traveling or whatever like a long car trip it's like let's throw on like troll two we didn't like you know sing that song i like so much row 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 your boat it was troll two <laughs> um it was so it, it's it's just like a, a really a movie that i hold very very dear and a movie i've seen way too many times i know it like i know my own face and uh i'm just so happy that we're finally talking about this and i, I put it up the flagpole that we talk about it and you were both down so well yeah. M- mitch i gotta ask when troll two came into your life was this typical of the movies you were watching because i met you uh you know when you were about 20 years old or so and to me troll 2 is so out of the the sort of movies you you fancy you know you're you're a much more classical movie kind of guy or even if we're not talking about time period i just think like you're a movie that you're a guy that doesn't really watch movies that are so bad they're good is that is that accurate no i I mean like for for a while in those like sort of formative years when i was younger i was all about like the the really really bad movies troll 2 is one of the ones that i like and again the director of this movie he went on to make a few other ones like zombie 3 which is a lucio falci film that i that i adore um and it's and it's a piece of shit (laughs) <laughs> and uh and uh there's so many there's so many uh sort of crappy movies that i really love like the room and um nazis at the center of the earth and then like the sort of the trauma films like poultry geist and sort of like all of all of those kind of things like i was really into it at that time but 
I mean, also uh, when I was young, I was also kind of getting into the classics as well. Like speaking of William Castle, like the original House on Haunted Hill, very formative film for me. But that doesn't have anything anything to do with sort of uh, uh, goblins. Goblins are like so bad it's good. But yeah, I definitely really love the schlock. I love the I love like the the crap. I love the bargain bin finds. Oh wow, you so, are a man after my own heart. After all, you are a complex dude. You are. You were layered like a double-decker bologna sandwich, Mitch. And I love to hear it. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. What about you? What this is, I guess this is both your uh, your like maiden voyage with Wait, Troll 2. Liam, is this your first time? My first time watching Troll 2? Correct. <laughs> it is, yeah. I can't fucking believe that. I was convinced you had seen it before. <laughs> That's the, uh, you know what, I, I... You seem like that kind of guy. I do, don't I? If if I didn't know me, I would think that I had seen it before, too. Um, my story with Troll 2, it starts the same way Mitch does, and we just veered off into different paths. I bet it was about seventh grade for me, which would put it, you know, that would put me about 2009, 2008 or so. Um, that was when YouTube was first becoming a thing. And of course, with the dawn of YouTube, I, one of the first videos uploaded has to be a Troll 2 scene. You know, there's got to be a tr- some Troll 2 footage that was uploaded in 2006, 2007 or so. And so I discovered those Troll 2 scenes in about the seventh grade. And I thought they were the most hilarious wild things i mean it's it's the stuff that has now become repeated ad nauseum you know they're eating her and then they're gonna eat me oh my god and uh the um the the trolls uh, i guess the goblins uh eating the plant person um and i guess it would be like in the description or in the comments or something i learned that it was from this movie troll 2 which i had never heard of and it seemed so so foreign to me um and I considered myself a horror movie dude, right? But I thought, wow, Troll 2? I've never even heard of Troll 1. And so um, <laughs> I, I, I looked it up on IMDb, uh, and I discovered that it was so popular as this this terrible movie. Um, but I never sought it out. I, I, I can't tell you why. And then shortly after that, you know, 2010 or so, was when The Room came into my life. And I guess it just filled that uh that that uh void in my body that was like a movie that is so bad all the way through and you're watching it because you've heard it's bad and you joke about it and stuff so i saw the room so much back then and troll 2 it it just sort of faded from uh not only like my awareness um and and my memory but also i guess maybe just because i was surrounding myself with the room that's all i heard about in regards to the worst uh or best bad movie so i i wasn't hearing about troll 2 from that point on and so when i would be more likely to watch troll 2 like in my high school years it just never really came up so unfortunately and so um i missed the boat and then it would have been uh, 2016 or so in university. I again heard about Troll 2 by way of a documentary that that had came out in about 2009 that's called Best Worst Movie. And it's directed by Joshua from Troll 2. He's all grown up and he's making a documentary about uh, Troll 2. And um, I was a big documentary dude at that point. Um, and so I, I figured I would, I would watch this documentary. And I did. And we'll talk a bit about the documentary in this episode, I'm sure. But um, in the short of it, I, I loved this documentary. Um, 
actually, I, I liked it fine. I wouldn't say I loved it. I liked it fine. And I thought that it did such a good job at showing clips from the movies and from the movie Troll 2 and talking about why the movie is funny that once I came away from it, um, quite to my surprise, I didn't actually feel like the burning desire to watch Troll 2 because I figured I had now seen all the best parts and I had heard about it enough and um, my double feature plans that I think I might have had, it didn't end up happening. And so Troll 2 again eluded me for a few more years. And then in these last couple years, this is when I've really been getting into like old slasher movies, which are often so bad they're good, old VHS horror movies, cult movies. Um, so in the last couple years has been when I've been like, okay, I, I really do need to see Troll 2 on its own. And then when we started the podcast, I figured it would come up eventually. And then hearing that Mitch was in it, into it got me so excited for it. So I was super, super excited to finally see Troll 2. But yeah, it did it did evade me for many years. It was sort of my my white whale, the one that got away. What about you, Corey? Um, similar, but I probably had the least... Um overall awareness of it um i think at some point i probably did start seeing like youtube clips of it or something but i didn't know a lot of people growing up who were especially interested in movies and it even took me a little while to get to that point and certainly not this variety of movie so it's not like i was hearing about it from people being like you have to see fucking troll 2 man holy shit it nilbog is goblin backwards like they're not I wasn't getting any of that, but um, I think like the more online I got, essentially, the more aware of the movie I was, and I knew like a documentary had come out and this and that. Um, but aside from like a handful of clips and just being aware of people calling it like the best worst movie, my awareness of it kind of stopped there, much in the way my awareness of like the room did for a really long time. I mean, I've since become much better acquainted with the room. Uh, saw it like in a theater fucking talked to greg sistero but as to today i have not had the chance to interview a goblin about anything so you know maybe that that'll come to me someday but as far as like the reality of sitting down and watching the movie and really getting a true sense of what it was even from other people i wasn't getting that because nobody i really knew either had seen it or if they had they weren't talking to me about it so uh Aside from a few choice cuts, uh, I was pretty much an open book on this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's one hell of a movie. Um, but like, like I I can't overstate like the the role that this movie has sort of played in like my in my social groups growing up and like and just like a very formative film for me I think in getting into movies, which seems like sort of I don't know that it seems like illogical. Best, it feels like the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I would have like troll two parties, like, with my friends, and I think we even convinced like a teacher to put it on in high school, like, in the classroom. <laughs> um, yeah, like it was, it it was just like monumental, and like my friends and I still like quote it to this day. I mean, Corey, like when you and I lived it to get together, I know, like Niels and I took in troll two like more than a few times. Like yeah. his Wi-Fi password at his house is Nilbog Visiting Center, but it's not his <laughs> not his Wi-Fi password. His his network. So, Mitch, uh, I got a couple questions for you. One, is this your most watched movie? 
Uh, I'd say it's I'd say it's a toss up between this and the leopard, but probably this. I was gonna make a joke about the leopard earlier, so I'm so happy you fucking yeah. brought that up. It's kind of like it's kind of like either like Lucino Visconti, like 1960s period piece, Burt Lancaster, Claudia Cardinale, or. Or, Claudio Fragasso. Or Claudio Fragasso. They're both Italian productions. I think yeah. that's, that's worth noting that my two most watched movies are Italian productions. If if you were to just say the names of the director to someone, they'd be like, oh, this dude just likes <laughs> yeah. hoity-toity fancy yeah. foreign movies. And then you tell them the titles and they're like, oh my gosh, the duality of man. Mm-hmm. It feels appropriate that this is what's happening right now because earlier before we started recording, I went downstairs and... um. Sean, who Liam used to live with, who I live with now, um, was just casually watching Superbad. And I think for me, in the window of time that we're talking about, like, well, like, Superbad was that for me. Oh, in the way that's like we just watched that till the wheels fell off. I'm so. I, I'm totally with you on that one, Corey. Uh, super bad was it was a joke always amongst friends, and uh, that was my troll too. And that I convinced a teacher to put it on in no in high school way. class. Are you kidding me? I did. Yeah, we made How it about five minutes in. Uh, because she was looking for something on Netflix. I told her to see if Super Bad was on there. It was, and you were we watching live- Netflix in class. Well, it was like a, it was like the last day of school or something, and uh, she was like, and, "Yeah," and it was it was a eleventh grade art class, you know, last day of of school, and she was just looking for something to put on. I told her to check out Superbad because I, I had watched it on <laughs> Netflix earlier, and she had never seen Superbad before, so that that was my one in, and two was that. In Canada, ratings are much more lenient, and Netflix Canada had Superbad rated fourteen A. And I'm in 11th grade. We're all above the age of 14. So she's like, all right, this is suitable. And immediately it starts. And <laughs> Michael Sarah and uh, Jonah Hill are talking about which porn website to subscribe yeah, to. Yeah, I was say, if and, the movie uh, were called Perfect 10, it could have been about bowling. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. And I think I think we made it to the point where they're walking into the convenience store and Jonah Hill says, I'm going to be graduating soon. They should be sucking on my ball sack. <laughs> How did you get- that far <laughs> i know it's it's honestly one of my proudest moments <laughs> all right one one more question for mitch mitch because of the role that troll 2 has played in your life you've said it's, it's one of the most formative movies in your life um which is uh, really interesting to hear i love hearing what people's most formative movies are and what their like top 10 all-time movies are however they interpret that so because of the role troll 2 has had in your life would you put it on a top 10 of all time list for you that's a really interesting question um it depends like the criteria of like the top 10 if it's like top 10 all-time like best movies or like favorite movies i don't think i would um but i mean it's a movie that like means a lot to me um but i don't know if it would make that list I don't know if that makes top sense. 10 most emotionally <laughs> resonant films yeah like there's lots of movies that are like that like have meant a lot to me in the past or that have like sort of formed my opinions about movies that do not qualify on that top 10 list right it's sort of yeah uh, i, I bet the leopards on there though it is yeah <laughs> well and that's that's a good distinct distinction to make because i think a lot of people when you ask them what their top 10 
all time like you know you say what are your top 10 favorite movies or whatever it is um most people will say uh stuff that they you know dig now have dug all their life and still respect but a lot of times stuff will sneak in where it's like this is just a movie that i loved as a kid and so it's got to be here so you'll you'll hear movies from uh the like the decade someone was released uh, was released was released into the world the decade <laughs> <someone> was <laughs> um so yeah it's 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 cool to hear that that troll 2 is such a big movie for you i also think that it's important to let people distinguish between this is getting surprisingly heady for a troll 2 discussion for distinguishing between, <laughs> we're not even in the discussion um yet. movies that are like that things that are important to you don't have to be traditionally good like i feel like a lot of people sort of think in terms of like oh well if i if it means something to me, then it must be good. Or I can only like things that people consider to be good. So I think having the latitude to be like, actually, uh, this weird goblin movie is extremely important to me. <laughs> like, of I course. appreciate having the space for that. Yeah, I think it's like more like what it did for me, like like socially and and yeah. like the where I was at the point in my life and uh, like what it means to me, like in that sense. I think. Turns out episode 100 is going to be emotionally resonant after all. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mitch, can you tell me what Troll 2 is about? Oh, I'd love to. It's where to to begin. I mean, uh, so there's... Start with Grandpa Seth. Start with the entirety of Grandpa Seth's opening monologue. (laughs) So there's this sort of like mild, like seemingly Midwestern family. The film was shot in utah i don't know maybe not midwestern but you know what i mean like they're 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 Mormon. like this very mild-mannered sort of Mormon. uh family <laughs> the, the weights i think the, yeah the weights that's their name and Tom uh weights yeah <laughs> troll too <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway so uh the corner of nathan nilbog anyway anyway uh yeah so mild-mannered family the weights <laughs> they're having like it's like this family you know like they're just doing their thing. They have this son named Joshua who's talking to his dead grandfather, and it's almost like it's his imaginary friend. Grandpa <laughs> Seth messages of foreboding to not go on the trip to this quiet town of Nilbog, but they go anyway, and then the whole arrangement is sort of like a, a house swap with a Nilbog family. And uh, they go to this town of Nilbog, and they discover the locals are kind of strange. It's kind of like your uh, your shadow over Innsmouth sort of setup. It, it reminded me of the town from Children of the Corn Five. Yeah, yeah, and so and so you know, it's <laughs> something isn't quite right, but they can't really put their finger on it. These people are very hospitable, but Joshua wants nothing to do with these people, and for good reason, because the town is inhabited by not trolls but goblins and these goblins they are, are they cannibalists they're they're, they're, they're carnivorous no. but they turn their their prey into they're, half man decidedly not carnivorous though yeah well, yeah, it's, well, well I guess that's the like gray that's, area that's that's their decision to to, to, to make is, that is it distinction a gray area, but i think it is a gray area because they're eating people they're eating that people. turned into plants yeah, half man half oh, plant a goblin's oh, favorite food uh, allow me to cite the wikipedia quickly see if this changes any minds Fuck Wikipedia. They don't know. The shit. script originally the titled Goblins began as a way for director Claudio Fragasa's wife, Rosella Drudy, who also wrote the movie, to express her frustration with several of her friends becoming vegetarians, which she claimed, quote, 
pissed her off. That's true. That's that. That then, is true. Then they'd be vegetarians. Then would they not? Well, I don't know. If that was her intent, I think she did a really poor job. Uh, can, I, can I? Hey, can I cite the uh, Wikipedia page one more time, please? Yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Drudy and Fragasso have stated that their intentions have been misunderstood, as the strongly criticized aspects of the movie are intentionally comedic or exaggerated. Yeah, you know, I I uh, read an oral history of Troll 2 published by Vice uh, in early 2021. So this is recent stuff, 10 years after the documentary came out in which uh, you can see um, the director and his wife and their response to the movie at that point. And um, her comments in the 2021 oral history are are much different than what the documentary shows at the okay. time. The, the director is so upset that people are laughing at the movie in parts Still? that aren't Dude supposed to be funny. Go. Yeah, he's very, he's <laughs> very self-serious about, it's it, about his work. It's been 31 years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh this this movie is 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 not just um so iconic because of what's contained within the frame, I think. Like this this movie has had a lingering impact not just on Mitch, but on everyone. <laughs> on Claudio Fragasso's life. Oh, you yeah. bet. Yeah. And if and if you watch that documentary, they like they're living like like it's like La Dolce Via, like he's like Marcello Mastroianni <laughs> in Italy, like dee, 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 like you know, just getting around doing stuff, walking around. That's but, so funny. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay. Anyway, so, where was I going? Yes, half um, man, half plant, a goblin's favorite food. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the the people of Nilbog, which is incidentally goblin spelled backwards, uh, <gasps> turn into their goblin forms. Yeah, I know, big shock. Did, did that did that get any of you? Did you guys like fall for that trap? Did, was that like a, a revelation? No, that's that's a known quantity on the internet. Unfortunately, okay. No so the anagram, the anagram didn't trip you up. Anyway, I can't uh, say it. Did, uh, did it trip you up the first time, Mitch? Actually, it's not an anagram. It's another word for it. Anyway, uh, but no, it didn't. Uh, it, it didn't. But I, I have watched it with people who were genuinely... Like, that did uh, surprise them. Nilbog! They didn't catch that. It's goblin backwards! Yeah. I don't know. Every time I'm driving through like a rural town, my dad's always like, we're in Nilbog now. Anyway, I'll keep going. Um, yeah. <laughs> or so at the very least, when you're, against when you're in a rural town, you've got to read the name backwards to make sure you're not about to get killed by something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I, yeah. Make sure it's not like werewolf spelt backwards or, you know, just like, you know, cross Alucard, it's Dracula backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, honestly i don't really think there's anywhere else for me to go with this summary i mean yeah. i could talk about like where it goes they gotta but, fight the nah. goblins i don't know fucking they gotta whatever. fight the goblins i'll just leave it there and and a druid named credence leonor gilgore <laughs> of ancient druid origins yeah and a druid named fucking credence clearwater revival or whatever the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so so real quick um i'll do the cast and crew as usual director claudio fragasso as drake floyd um the, he has a movie coming out this uh or in twenty twenty two called Karate Man. Hmm. Ooh, we should I just watch wanted, it. We should take I think we in. should watch Karate Man. And as Mitch mentioned, Zombie Three. That was actually the only other movie that I noted. Um it's written by Claudio Fragasso and Rosello Drudy, his wife. Um the cinematography is by Giancarlo Ferrando, who has hundred and nineteen credits on IMDB, and I picked one of them, the one with the funniest name. A policewoman on the porno squad. That's the title of the movie? It is. Yeah, that's kind of wow. the caliber of, of, of the talent. Yeah. Um, the editor is Vanyo Amici. Uh, lots of Italian stuff. I could tell that two of them had porno in the title. 
Uh, but other than that, I don't speak Italian, so who knows? Um, and the music is by Carlo Maria Cordio, who uh, did 2020 Texas Gladiators, which is actually a movie they talked about on Best of the Worst one time. And uh, The Crawlers, another movie they talked about on Best of the Worst one time. And so, they also did Troll, too, right? So they're they're tackling this whole crew. Yeah, Carlo Maria Cordio, bangers only in the music department. And so we've got, in the cast, we've got Michael Stephenson as Joshua. And then I'll do a, I'll rattle them off real quick. We got George Hardy, Margot Prey, Connie McFarland, Robert Ormsby, Deborah Reed, uh, who notably on her IMDb, uh, she plays the Druid, um, has an educational video about buying houses that she hosted and like produced. I just yeah. think that's a weird career pivot. That's nice of her. Also has a makeup credit on Dumb and Dumber. So there you go. Uh, Jason Wright, Darren Ewing, Jason Stedman, David McConnell, who has a small role in the Ides of March. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, the buzz man, uh, Gary Carlston, uh, who is Sheriff Gene Freak. Gene Freak. <laughs> Gene Freak. Um, Mike Hamill, Don Packard, Christina Reynolds, Glenn Gurner, Michelle Abrams, uh, who is in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. <laughs> Uh, Lance C. Williams, Ellie Case, Gavin Reed, and Melissa Bridge. And um, <laughs> it's worth noting that most of those actors were not like actors. A lot of people in this movie were just like, no. There was an open casting call and they needed some people. They were all prisoners. That's, um, uh, that's actually like the greatest understatement of the year. Some of these people have <laughs> wild backstories. Yeah. One, uh, the dad is just a dentist. And he got like yeah. one of the bigger roles in the movie. Um, famously, the crew and the cast couldn't really communicate because uh, they weren't fluent in English and the cast couldn't speak Italian. And, and the shows. cast was almost entirely Italian. And yeah. the one thing that I like pointing out now that I've learned this knowledge is that anytime the actors tried to deliver slightly different lines to make them sound more natural, the crew would get angry and tell them to not change it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, the crew didn't speak English, but they knew when their script wasn't being followed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you know this, but the guy who plays the general store owner, he was actually like, oh. he was in the a mental institution at the University of Utah. And he like left, he had like a few days where they were letting him like, they were like, oh yeah, like you can go out and like do whatever you want. Like just go, I, I think he was recovering from some sort of a break and then he came across across claudia forgasso's casting and uh he became the general store owner and he was at like a really not good point in his life but he then he acted in troll 2 and in, in best worst movie in that documentary there's a part where he's like you know like the reception of this standing in front of a thousand people and talking about my role has been like the highlight of my life like it's I don't know, kind of was very touching, but also like very sort of dubious casting circumstances. Yeah, and, no, that's that's like nice to hear, though. And yeah. he says he says in uh, the documentary that he wasn't acting in the movie. He says, I was really that troubled. I was not acting in those scenes. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was apparently he was high as hell the whole time. And and I th I think he's uh I mean call it acting or, or or whatever you want or not acting but I think he is the best uh, deliverer of lines in the movie. Um, I, th I would I, say I, it's a toss up. It's a toss up between he and Gene Freak. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's true. They they they've uh, they've both got it going on. But yeah, I think he's a really 
cool creepy presence in the movie and you know if if i didn't know that going in and i and i did know it going in because i had seen the documentary i would just think man this guy he's kind of he's kind of got it i would love to see him in other movies yeah i think he has done other stuff but i mean can i help you there's no coffee here in Nilbog. It's the devil's drink. Eggs? Eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Bacon? Are you crazy, boy? We're vegetarians here in Nilbog. Didn't you know that? But here, have some Nilbog milk. Special milk. High in vitamin content. It's good for you. And have your friends try some also. Should this episode just be Mitch reciting the film? The live I'm read. Sorry. And then we can just jump in <laughs> no, and Mitch, comment on some lives. We can annotate. Um, yeah, but I, I think that <laughs> I think that he's not giving himself enough credit. Uh, there, there are there are scenes where he's just kind of on the the side, like sitting in a group, and I can kind of tell that like he's he's out of it. But when he's delivering lines, I think I think he's he's doing it really good work. He's he's excellent. Yeah. So, Liam, before we get too carried away, the answer might seem evident, but I I. I would be loath to not ask, what was the experience like for you watching Troll 2 for the first time? Not what I expected, Corey. It was not what I expected at all. This movie was, after all I've heard, last 12 or so years, um, I like I am now as far from discovering the memes of this movie as the documentary was from starting to shoot. Uh, as compared to the release, you know, they started to shoot the documentary about the the legacy of Troll Two in about 2005 or so. They shot for four years. The movie comes out in 1990, and uh, I probably discovered Troll Two memes in like 2007. So it's been in my life for a while here, and now I'm I'm finally getting context to all this stuff. Sort of like when we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. And I knew all about Garbage Day. Garbage but, Day. But I, but I had nothing else to go on. And so I'm going in thinking, okay, this movie's just going to be bad from, from top to bottom. And uh, I'm probably going to like it for that reason. But I thought that this was a lot less bad than I thought it would be. And yet it's, it's I very watchable. And yet I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And I thought I would like it. I thought I would like it from top to bottom because it's it's going to be bad all the way through and I'm going to laugh at it and have a yeah. good time. But I thought that there's actually a lot of really cool uh, yeah. stuff in this movie. This um, movie is like competently produced like in that like these were filmmakers that understood generally what a movie is. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not incomprehensible bullshit. Like, yeah, um, exactly. And, and no, no, no. Well, <laughs> but what I mean is like, like it's it's got a beginning, middle, and end. You know, like all the shots are framed in a normal way. Like there is cool effects shit going on. Like if that's what you mean, Liam, I agree. And like, yes, it's shockingly competent. It is, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I watched this movie with Brianna, and we watched the documentary Best Worst Movie beforehand um, because I had seen it before. I knew I liked it. I wanted to give her some context to Troll 2. I wasn't sure if I should watch the documentary before or after with her, and I decided to watch the documentary before, and that was because we watched an episode of a documentary series called Cursed Films. They did an episode on The Crow, and after we watched it, um, Brianna was like, yo, I really want to watch The Crow now. And so so I thought that watching the best worst movie documentary would just get her hyped to watch Troll 2 as opposed to just throwing a so 
terrible movie at her and then expecting her to like watch more about it afterwards. Um, and her takeaway from Troll 2 was that she was actually a bit underwhelmed because she thought this is not as bad as all these people in this documentary made it out to be. This is this is competent. Like Corey said, it has a beginning, middle and end. Of course, there are lots of ridiculous lines in it. And she thought she didn't think it was funny. She didn't think it was your standard horror movie. But she thought that, you know, compared to something like The Room, this just doesn't cut it. And um, I totally I understand feeling that way. But for me and where my tastes are at right now, I I love like unironically, I love 80s 90s uh schlock horror that most people would write off with one star you know like sleepaway camp is is absolutely one of my top 10 favorite movies like i i I love it um not just to laugh at it i just love being in that grainy sort of ridiculous world and so troll 2 i actually came away loving it way more than i thought i would because i thought it was a really engaging story had um engaging ideas and then to top it all off to bring it from being like a seven or an eight out of ten movie because of those ideas then it has all the ridiculous bad funny stuff that just elevates it even more so i came away from this thing like absolutely blown away exceeded my expectations yeah i think i almost wonder to what extent the categorization of best worst movie um is implying something it doesn't mean to, um, by which I mean that maybe it's the best worst movie because it's like far more sensibly put together than a lot of other movies in the same conversation. I've always been kind of like loathe to get big on the train of like, oh, this movie's great because it sucks. Because with a lot of those, you just get like, boring poorly made shit that's not interesting uh and you know for my first experience watching troll 2 as i told you both in the midst of my watching it um i feel very strongly that this is not a movie that you should watch by yourself um there are moments that are experiences meant to be enjoyed by a group um and i definitely felt a bit of a lack of that particular experience but I was definitely struck by some of the stuff that I just straight up thought was cool, how well put together a lot of it is, how good a lot of the effects work is, um, and of course how just like ridiculous and hard to parse a lot of the decisions appear to be because of everything going on behind the scenes and what went into making the movie. But I do also think that um, for me personally, at a certain point, it kind of overstays its welcome because while it does keep doing like increasingly bananas shit um it starts to feel a little bit like it's spinning its tires like it gets repetitive and for me i think partially because i did watch it by myself i was like i was kind of over the bit at that point if that makes sense that makes perfect Um, sense but the time it gets to the last act when they're sort of attacking attacking the house and like the goblins are coming out of nowhere and jumping down staircases that that it overstays its welcome a bit but it is you're right it's infinitely watchable um yeah and i guess that is what makes it like the best worst movie in that you know since this movie came out and certainly since the room came out you get all sorts of people that are making movies that are meant to be the new best worst movie right and they just slap stuff together it was that people are trying to do it on purpose and you can't 
Yeah, I think it has to be an accident. And I think Troll 2 is, is like the perfect storm, like the perfect sort of chemical reaction, all the right components, these Italian film directors that are that have very high opinions of themselves and, and sort of pride in their work, even though it's kind of like lesser sort of, or yeah. I it's guess tra- traditionally so lesser. self-seriousness. Yeah. You can't have you can't have somebody you can't have somebody make a movie like this on purpose. Like it 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 has to come out of like a mistake. It has to be a it has to be authentic. And I think like Troll Two has like authenticity in spades. Like it it's it's such a bizarre and unusual film that goes in so many different directions. Like I think a, a film critic in the Best Worst movie described it as like a very competent movie that is competently well put together. And it has like some interesting ideas, but it suffered a severe blow to the head. And I think that that's like a really like perfect description. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Well, and yeah. like some of it's just um, like, you know, I think the fact that a Stonehenge based druid woman summages summon. Summages? What the fuck does that some, mean? Sam- sandwiches? <laughs> sandwiches? Uh, summons. <laughs> the power of a magic stone and uses it to like hack into an RV television and uh, convince the man inside to let her in. And she's seducing him via corn cob, but his response is, I love popcorn. And then the room just fucking fills with popcorn. Like incredible. I remember watching Beautiful. that scene. I remember watching that scene with my uncle for the first time because, like, <laughs> he was like babysitting me in like the seventh grade or whatever. My parents were gone, and like, I guess they thought that like somebody. What's should, this like... weird pornography you have got, Mitchell? And, no, no, my uncle loves bad movies, and uh, <laughs> like, I remember when that scene came on, and he was like laughing hysterically. But yeah, dude, no, that scene is awesome. Uh, she was on with us last week. Uh, Jade said it's her favorite scene in the movie. It like is. The popcorn All you have to do might is heat it up. And then at the end when he's like, no more. No more popcorn. He spits it <laughs> out of his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck it. But like in a movie that's trying and to do that, like you put that scene in a movie where the director is like, this is going to be hilarious. It doesn't work at all. Yeah, that would be see, a- annoying as shit. You see those Italian soft corn soft core soft corn fellas i think we've struck a gold mine <laughs> soft core porn roots really showing there soft corn <laughs> yeah that, that scene that scene floored me in that um it was in that moment that i was thinking oh my gosh I, it is such a shame i didn't see this movie earlier yeah. um especially a shame i didn't watch it after watching the documentary the first time i thought that the documentary sort of gave me all the movie it had to offer and that wasn't fair of me to think that at all you know um because when that scene comes on i had never seen that scene referenced i'd never seen that scene on youtube and the fact that that has existed throughout my entire life that scene has been out there and i have not seen it was just like such a such a fulfilling revitalizing moment for me and i was just thinking man i'm so happy to be watching this movie right now yeah and again that that scene kind of arrives when in my opinion the film starts like spinning its wheels like Corey said like there's there's a lot of like it gets really bloated near the end and then that scene arrives out of nowhere like out of left field and it's it's a very welcome departure in my opinion it's yeah it's i think hilarious. when we start doing like seance shit and like they're being surrounded like a zombie movie yeah. i'm like okay let's uh pick up the pace here folks go but back like, to your kingdom of shadows 
But then um, a fucking goblin jumps out of a mirror and attacks people, and I'm like, I'm back, baby. Holly, um, have you been smoking dope again? Dude, (laughs) um, I think the thing that frustrates me about this movie's reputation is how little of it people actually talk about. Yeah, like exactly. There is so much good shit in here. Like that church set that they just call a house where the druids... Ooh. Oh, okay. Whoa. Guys, are you here? Yeah, yeah, I got you, man. You're what back? happened? Okay, oh my god. Um, I don't... It was a devilish <sighs> goblin trap. It. I can't... Look, man, look. I know we're trying to have fun in games, but we can't rule out that that was a cruel devilish goblin trap. Um, I don't know what's happening. Uh, Episode 100 is being plagued yeah. by all sorts of weird issues. So, you know, Mitch, while you were gone, because look like we were all sent to the the corners of the internet we don't know who who went where or what went why you know what i mean but um i thought it might have been clancy brown at first you weren't here for a lot of that but um he was sort of our technical nemesis du jour early in the show um but that just doesn't i don't think that makes any sense for this it doesn't seem like his handiwork well i thought we kind of patched it up with him at some point so i don't really know what's going on it's the heat it's the heat it's like 30 degrees i'm covered in sweat right now i'm podcasting in my underpants what i need right now is uh is a nice tall glass of nilbog milk to cool down Ugh. a nice hot day nothing hits it's got vitamin d <laughs> it does uh, it hydrates content. you apparently yeah i mean have, hey, you, have you guys <laughs> I, I drink it after a run exactly that's have you dis- guys that's disgusting have you guys ever drank milk when you're like feeling really parched is that something Fuck that like no. people can do no okay okay that's, i wasn't i wasn't sure up. if i was out of the loop maybe that's some nilbog milk it's really fucking hot yeah um i've got a fan on mitch has a fan on liam probably has a fan on uh, and, i do got a fan on um we're sweating through this one to give you the 100th anniversary special of the podcast that you crave and um we will not rest we will not be stopped by goblins nor clancy brown uh nor sleet nor snow nor storm nor sun in all of the heat that it brings we're here i guess i'm done talking about whatever i was talking about before but i feel like we haven't really talked about the movie a lot do you guys want to talk about grandpa Grandpa seth Seth. grandpa seth grandpa grandpa seth they can they can! <laughs> Goblins don't need to justify their cruel acts. They're evil God. creatures. The fact that this movie has like a running premise that this kid is being like haunted in a positive way by like memory like his grandfather's ghost to make him fight goblins. Like that is such a yeah. weird, like out there idea for the movie to run with in a really, really casual way. Yeah. Like when he sees the fucking hitchhiker and he just like he's just like having like visions and shit. Yeah. It's like So how about it, buddy? Can I get a ride? <laughs> I <laughs> like I can't believe how much of it revolves around like this kid like seeing like the head of his grandfather floating in the air giving him directions and shit. Yeah, and, and or, it really and, like, is fighting it, goblins. It really is a touching scene when Grandpa Seth kind of disintegrates into the sweet hereafter in that church when he's touching the stone. It's uh the stone. The stone. It, it it is a really touching scene, but yeah, very 
weird that he's haunted by the vestige of his dead grandfather but you know there it is it it is weird but i found it super interesting it was right after that first scene in the movie where uh we have grandpa seth's princess bride like story to uh to young joshua in the bed right after that first scene when uh his mom comes into the room and (laughs) we see the chair the rocking chair that grandpa seth had been in just swaying but it's vacantly swaying and i thought where the hell did grandpa seth go is he hiding in the closet why is he why why doesn't he want the parent to see him and then of course through the conversation we learned that grandpa seth had died and he wasn't even there at all and I honestly, I thought that was like such a cool setup to this movie that this dude, um, uh, who who I had understood to be some sort of uh, like all knowing figure from watching the documentary, but but I, but I had no idea this dude was like from the from the other side of the the netherworld or whatever. Um, Grandpa Seth and so is there. I, I was thought that was interesting. Really, he's, cool. he's there. He's just releasing his instincts in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um and then the, the 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 rules that grandpa seth seems to operate by i love how they're always changing um and i love that he sometimes he physical, explains them very clear spiritual, and then he isn't and he can he be is. in the mirror like like it's like snow white he can, he's all over the place that grandpa yeah, seth he's a wild halfway he's a through the movie he can axe a hand off a goblin that that scene goes hard when he's lumberjacking in like his honestly yeah and that whole thing though with like the fucking mirror attack and then when it ends it all plays in reverse it actually looks like sick as hell well i love i love how grandpa seth is encouraging his grandson to use like a molotov cocktail from beyond the grave oh hell yeah that's pretty great put that on my gravestone hey kids Use Molotov cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> when in the town of Nilbog, specifically. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Dude, oh man, it's so good. But I feel like the... Th- I feel like... I'm not going to say that one of these things overshadows the other, but I think we need to talk about them with equal weight. Credence the Druid Leonor Gilgor. So She's so fucking good. It's so funny. Is Every she, is she good or time. is she like hamming it up? Hamming yeah, well, yeah. What do you mean by oh, that? Ham, we need it's, specifics it's, when we're talking about a movie like this. It's good. I like it. I like watching it. It's funny. I, I'm not sure so sure her performance is like really effective, but it is kind of like unnerving, I'm, especially the I'm chainsaw scene. I'm saying it's good. It's good. I, like I it's good to it's watch. Good. It's good to. What are you not figuring out about it's, the way I'm using the word good? It's well, yes, I mean, yeah. that's what this movie is. It's good in the movie. You know. Yeah. How did, you, did you guys think I was coming in here like, okay, Oscar race? Like, uh, well, no, I don't know who like, won like, it, what are but you it should have been Creedence Gilgore. Like, is she Meryl Streep? Like, like, who is she to you? I I do think it's important to <laughs> make that it's distinction. It's fun. It's She's really good at having a good fucking time. I don't know. It's fun to watch. <laughs> my she's little, good at having a good fun. My words are no better than this. My notes, my notes uh, they leave me hanging once again. Yeah, um, and she's also well, kind of fine under, when, like, when she's not in her creepy druid makeup. Dude, she's, th- she's fine as hell. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Mitch. I thought this was the first time in my life I have ever seen like the the she's all that, not another teen movie cliche actually make sense to me. Where like, 
the, the woman <laughs> lets her hair down and she she uh uh has makeup on or doesn't have makeup on in, in this in, in this way it's kind of hard to tell but like she just she does a few slight changes it's still the same woman and i was like damn that's I'm... actually a honey uh, I, that that worked out for me man she is beautiful I don't uh, know how slight the changes dude. are, but they are changes. Dude, that's so, Liam is just like, if she's all that was just goth, I would have gotten it faster. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she Jesus. had a corn on the cob. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, even even in the original craft, oh which we God. which we talked about recently, you know, Nev Campbell, she's sort of a goth character in that one. And she has a let your hair down moment. And to me, it doesn't really work. It's like she was beautiful the entire time. But uh, I got so to tell you, Credence, that you weren't into Credence previously. No, well, no, she's I got wasn't. This crackly lip, like the lips that are cracking. And like, the- I love say, Yeah. And I love that. Her, that makeup. her glow up is a credence clearwater revival <laughs> but because i was so infatuated hey. with that, that was really good Corey. because i was so infatuated with uh with the way she looked in that corn on the cob scene then when she went back into having you know dark eyes and cracked lips something in me had turned and i was like i see it now so if i were to rewatch the movie she would i would likely be into it the entire time that's so funny and then to juxtapose that we have fucking elliot who apparently can't be a good boyfriend because he has too many friends oh yeah. i love that subplot oh yeah. my god it it's so sense. good it's like and all of his he, friends are spend, so funny you spend, you spend too much time hanging out with your friends and my parents don't like you because you spend too much time with your friends yeah and his friends no, are so never funny it's me. either me or your little little uh, boys god i hope i wrote it down because there was a line Oh, I, I know where it is, but I have to find it. Give me a sec. But when they're talking about why he tricked his friends into going to Nilbok. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like beautiful, unattached girls. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, at one point, somebody asks, but what about all the beautiful, liberated girls? Yeah, that's the one. Jesus Christ. I love the I love the guy who plays Arnold, like the like the guy with the glasses who uh pitch perfect casting. Who gets like the spear in the shoulder and then oh, he's the, they're eating her and then they're going to eat me guys. So There's you know so he's much good. more to that scene. How do people not talk about that scene? But I, I love the scene where he just like like bravely confronts the goblins to like protect that woman from uh from being eaten by them. And then uh he fails, of course, but I love where he like stands up. He's like, listen up, you weirdos, or whatever he says. Yes, so- and, and what I was thinking there is like, so do, do these goblins look like little people in masks to him, or do they look like actual goblins and he's just the man without fear? I couldn't figure it out. Like His reaction was so interesting. He, I thought he was trying to just seem like strong and tough. I think yeah, honestly, oh, dude, yeah. if you're if you're confronted by goblins and you can hold it together to seem strong and tough, I think you are strong and tough. Gabloons, gabloons. Um, and dude, I was <laughs> amazed when when that whole friendship uh, subplot uh, first is first introduced, and I see Arnold there in that blue shirt with those glasses. I was like, holy shit, that dude's a teenager. I don't know if you felt this way too, <laughs> Corey, from, from knowing going. the meme, but all my hey, life... Dude, my over... hairline is going. What do you want to fucking talk shit? Over the, over the last Sorry. 12 years, I thought that... 
Sorry. I thought not only that this dude was the main character of the movie, that was just my assumption. I thought that this scene like took place right at the end of the movie, or at least like right when he realizes bad stuff's going down, but then he's the character we follow throughout the rest of the events. I also thought he was like a 30 or 40 year old dude. I had no idea that he was a teenager. And so learning that the oh my god dude is just a side character in this movie, <laughs> I was like, I knew that this movie had so much I didn't much think in store he was like us. 40, but um there's certainly an implication that he's maybe more important but more than anything like that scene just has so much shit happening in it like potions and women turning to plant matter and being devoured by goblins and all we ever see of it is just that dude shouting with a not great line delivery to be fair but and the fly on his face too but like that's yeah. hardly the most outrageous thing in the whole movie, right? No, like, no, hardly. Like there's so many other questions that arise, and even like the the small bits. Like I don't know if any of you caught the part where Joshua's like skateboard goes into the like the parish when they're giving like their sermon, and then they about how bad meat is. Yeah, hot dogs sold at the side of the road. The stink of sausages. Anyway, so it goes down, and then they <laughs> then, then they try to. We're just trying to feed him some ice cream. But in that scene, you hear like the general store go, the general store owner go, "Here it is, nice and creamy." And that's like exactly what the delivery is like. Like I'm not exaggerating, but like there's there's just like so many small bits in this movie. It's a really like, it's almost like a full meal with lots of like little like dishes, <laughs> like a tapas or something, where you get all these little these little things. Like it's. Uh, I, it's I feel like this movie is actually difficult to talk about because we could talk about this for like three hours. Oh, like, definitely. Like you could hone in on so many weird like little individual moments that it's difficult to kind of categorize broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it's. And there's that whole fucking Robin Hood ass looking dude in the opening story. Peter, <laughs> that the courageous boy. Is so wild. Peter, the courageous boy who's played by a man. Yeah. Um, the color of sap. God, <laughs> God that opening fucking rules. It too. rules. It's just. And the music. Weird, the music is so like out of character, like out of place. Oh, it's, it's, but it's, it's like, rules. But it's, it's, like from, it's from it's an good. NES game. It's amazing. <laughs> um, It's so weird. Like. This movie, I really do feel like it kind of dropped the ball with the goal line for me. Like, I kind of got over it. But in hindsight, like, man, I don't know. So much of it is just such a good time. Yeah, I... Those lightning strikes. (laughs) And this pastor gets, like, lit on fire. And when he does get lit on fire, you can see the flame-proof gloves. Like, you can see them. Like, they don't don't even hide them. Yeah. So good. Though I was impressed though that this movie had a fire stunt in it. Like that's that's an example of this movie doing more than I thought it would do. Like being I can tell that it's going for like a a, a proper even like high budget movie. It didn't have the budget to be high budget, but even in like the structure, the part that um the like the last third Corey that you kind of say lost you after the popcorn scene or so when we have the grandpa seth seance i totally get what you mean that at that point it, it could feel like the bit has worn thin um but for me uh i i thought that was so remarkable just because it was clear to me that like this movie is going for the proper like third act uh climax where all the characters band together to do something and they all hole up together in one room and they have to work together and like in a uh 
a, <laughs> I guess like a better directed written movie. If Troll Two were to have a remake, um, I think that you would kind of you would still keep the structure and you would have that seance scene at the end because I think it's a fine set piece and all the goblins storming the house at the end. Um, I think it all really works in uh in like concept it's just your mileage of it might vary but for me i was still hooked all the way through this movie has like unlike like the room or something which is just like a poor imitation of like tennessee williams like this movie is its own thing like it is like very like imaginative and inventive like with what it with what it wants to do and and with the ways that it goes about saying it saying it and kind of reaching those goals it does things that no other movie would think to do like like joshua pissing on the food because he doesn't want his family to eat it after like a horrible like time stop sequence like it it is very like unconventional storytelling and i think that that like adds to its longevity and its sort of watchability yeah no i agree this movie takes really weird swings um also why did the siblings keep being like like when Joshua's like, you're a genius, big sister. <laughs> or like they're in the van and she's like, are you okay, little brother? Like why are they fucking talking yeah. like that? Do you have to throw up? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It is tough. I haven't really been able to nail that down. I had my my idea while I was watching it was just that it was written um, in Italian by uh, the you know the uh, the Italian director and his wife the screenwriter um, and then they had to translate the, the script and they didn't know English all that well and so they kind of did like a one-to-one translation and didn't realize that that sort of thing sounds awkward in English because I think um, in Italian that is like much more commonplace to to refer to someone like that um, but it just it doesn't come across in English. It's it's a translation thing that needs to be altered. But then in that oral history that I read, the um, screenwriter, the wife of the director, she said that um, the script was actually translated by uh, a Utah American, and so people's complaints that the the the, the dialogue doesn't sound american or it doesn't sound like english it doesn't sound natural she said they're all lying because it was translated by someone from (laughs) someone from utah and if that's the case if she's telling the truth there then i think it's just like why would you keep that in translation in in itself is an art right i mean like to to, well yeah there's a difference between translating something and localizing something right like you have to take turns of phrase and adapt them to the audience that will hear it. It doesn't matter if like whoever translated it, because if you translate it directly, it's just going to sound weird. Like translation is an art and then localizing is also an art. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and it, obviously they didn't do the localizing, um, but it seems like she's saying that anyone's anyone who's complaining that it's bad it, is wrong because it was that can't localized. Be true because an American translated, right? Like the, she's so, saying, you know, he he would have realized and he would have made those changes. Yeah. Evidently, I understand he the logic, but also like, what the fuck? That's are just you like shifting about? responsibility onto somebody else. Like, it's I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that. That's yeah, and and I, and I also I also read that um, the script was written in English in the first place by the these 
primarily Italian speakers, and that's why it sounds awkward. So uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a clear picture, but either way, whatever they did, it, it didn't work. Because <laughs> those are <laughs> those are some of the most uh, most jarring lines in the movie, Corey. It's the big sister stuff. We also get it immediately where um, we have. Uh, let me see here. Um, Who'd want to eat you, little brother? <laughs> we oh we have we have the mom uh saying oh my god um that she yeah. is grandpa <laughs> seth's daughter you know what i mean yeah. Corey? Yeah. and then yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. then later on when she's talking to her husband she actually says a much more subtle line that communicates the same thing she says um oh no sorry the the husband says to her this trip will make him forget about your father and at that point, it's like, okay, I get it. Grandpa Seth is the dad of the wife, and um, uh, he died, and they're trying to move past it. But before we get that line, we have uh, we have the wife saying to the husband, it was very difficult for me, his daughter, to, <laughs> to get this. And it's just like, whoa, where where is the editor here? This is so strange. And there's a few instances Where's the of that. script supervisor? Script supervisor, yeah. There's another instance right after that where we have um, the the wife is either saying uh, goodnight to the husband or Joshua. I don't remember exactly, but she says goodnight, dear, like two times right back to back. Um, there's just like a line separating them. And it's like, okay, one of those lines had to be cut and it didn't get cut. And it's stuff like that is just makes this movie that I think has a really engaging inventive ideas, like you said, Mitch, like makes it ha- feel that much more, uh, has that much more like, longevity to it. Uh, it 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 keeps the train rolling yeah definitely definitely it 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 goes places it 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 does it does a hell of a lot i love i love like the hey, son are you in training yeah no i'm just going to the store. Uh, hey sheriff we'll do you get know, in. hey sheriff do you know where the girls are around here the girls are and then he closes the door <laughs> midline like that's one of drives away <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits in this movie gene freak is uh, a really a jam a jam of a character in that movie um i love the way that this this film just kind of like oozes like 90s sort of like late 80s vibe like liam you alluded to the princess bride and like like beat for beat that's what they're doing i mean grandpa seth is no peter falk but like the i love like how there's like you know like the tasmanian devil like in in the room that he's like playing with and there's like there's really like no thought given towards like i guess or worry about like copyrighted products they're just like all in the movie and uh it's it's just so fun to sort of see that and also like the skateboarding sequences like joshua skateboarding in downtown nilbog oh yeah huge, pushing mongo yeah huge, downtown nilbog yeah, huge 90s vibes it's a it's a real treat yeah and i i love that small town 90s vibe um you know it's it's kind of what uh excited me when we watched the children of the corn movies i just i like if this if this were a book you know uh written by someone like a bit more competent i think it would be a really engaging book i just i love living in this this small town world and they're the this family goes into it they've never been there before and they're like a fish out of water um i i I love that idea can we talk about that Yes, yeah. What the, 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 the fuck house is train. a home-sharing... Vi- what the fuck are you talking I mean, about? People do that. What are you talking about? No, they don't. I, mean, I don't know no, anyone who don't. has, but I'm sure, I'm sure like, it happens. Nobody, nobody drives out to the middle of fucking Nilbog and says, hey, 
guess this must be the family that's living in our house with all of our things in it while we're gone. Here's the keys. We've got all the amenities. <laughs> yeah. We've got a freezer and TV. It's like, you just left all your shit in there? Typical like, country hospitality. Like, yes. <laughs> this house is going to get robbed. Like, what are you talking about? The, the way they deal with it here uh, and like how little they talk Who about it and this? how they, but then they talk about it so little before it happens. So then when it happens, you're like, what is going on? And then from that point on, uh, the script like assumes you understand this and are familiar with it. It is a thing that happens, you know, house swapping um, where, where two parties Who? like agree Who to do it. Like it's, it's what houses? there's a two, Who? there's a 2000, <laughs> 2006 Jack Black Cameron Diaz movie called The Holiday that's just all about that. They they switch uh Cameron Diaz switches places uh with like Kate Winslet or something like that. Um and so it's it's a thing that happens but the the way this movie deals with it where like they just assume you know what's going on uh that it's your setup for like basically the entire movie and then from that point on where uh <laughs> where joshua's family is just like they didn't come with any food prepared and they just assume that it'll all be there for them I, and so I when know, their initial like... dinner is ruined then they wake up the next day and they're like we don't have anything to eat <laughs> 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 like what were you expecting i know it just seems so weird yeah the assumption seems to be like they were gonna come to like a fully decked out house like this family would take the onus upon themselves to like if this just seems like fucked up airbnb and i just don't no, like it i guess like, i guess um you've got to remember that uh the dad what is the dad's name mitch does he have a name? Michael. Michael Waits. Yeah, Michael. Michael. I just keep thinking of him as George Hardy because the, the he's, like, he's like the main character in the dog Tree. Yeah, but Michael, um, I guess it would make he's sense. He's going to live like a farmer. Oh, my God. That shit is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, would, it would make sense that they assume the place they're going to is going to be so uh, hospitable to them because as they make the switch and this weird family from Nilbog is like not talking to them and getting into their car to go live in their house, Michael like keeps shouting at them as they're getting in the car and leaving about all the things they have at their house that will please the Nilbog family. He's just yelling at them like, yo, we got a microwave. We got AC. You know, like I, I left I left my mistress there. You can have sex with her if you want. Like, it's just so weird. <laughs> Jesus, Liam. <laughs> yeah, it's that sort of vibe. Like, he's being way too nice. And I love that. I love also like it's that the, Southern hospitality. I love also like the vibe with like with that family. And for for that matter, like everybody else in Nilbog, how they all have those strange birthmarks and how the camera like zooms in in that scene to kind of. Oh, yeah, they got go- they got goblin marks. Yeah, just like with. The, the clover goblin marks and how it like zooms in and like the sort of like ominous storytelling that has really like no subtlety but i'm i'm here for it like it's a good time you know exactly what you're gonna get but yeah yeah i i thought that was super endearing actually um and then when we have joshua sort of figure it out and he says um you know, Nilbog, it's goblins spelled backwards, and also they have the clover marks on their faces. Don't you see what's going on? Like, it's and so, and it's so on them. the nose. Yeah. And yeah, so not subtle, but also I think because I, I think that this movie was like made for a mainstream audience, it's going to be like the next E.T. or something. I really feel like that's what they were going <laughs> for. I like that they that they have Joshua as the main character. He gets way more screen time than I thought he was going to um, based on the dinner scene that I had seen on YouTube years ago. And also I like that they have him figuring stuff out. Figure Like it's really simple stuff. Of course, it's, it's so not subtle, but I... I really think that if I were to show this movie to like my nephew who I've shown, you know, 
all kinds of shit. So much worse stuff than this. Uh, If I had if I had figured it out in time, I think now he's a bit too old for it, and he would think that like this is so ridiculous. But if I had shown this to him when he was like six or seven, I really think this would be like an engaging kids movie because we have this young character that's figuring stuff out in this small town it's really obvious stuff but it's it's stuff that's made really clear to you and even the way that grandpa seth like gives his directions his missions you know the 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 dinner table is going to be frozen for 30 seconds you better figure it out before that or 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 things are going to be you have 10 minutes to figure this out and then I'm going to be gone forever like it's it's dialogue that is so explicit so explanatory but like that's the sort of stuff that as a kid I would understand the hell out of that I'd be like oh okay he has 10 minutes to figure it out and so I think the biggest problem w- with this movie which is also like part of its biggest charm to me is that it feels like it was written like a third grader from the dialogue of like big sister it's it's me i'm his daughter we got to establish all this stuff off the bat to the way that joshua is figuring all this stuff out and it's all filmed without subtlety this like i i legitimately like wrote stuff like this in the third grade where i thought i was like breaking so much new ground but i'm just using all these tropes that (laughs) i've seen alfred hitchcock (laughs) like i've seen like i'm using the et template but then i'm using like the troll one template and then i'm using like the stephen king template Um, there's still a chance for you a lot of modern adult writers still just steal from that (laughs) exactly but so so yeah 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 yeah. go ahead but that whole like on the nose like big brother big sister is so like you are my 17 year old brother jimmy and you are high as a kite (laughs) and i am your 19 year old brother black dynamite (laughs) (laughs) i love Uh, dude double feature of a fucking lifetime yeah i love it what uh, another thing this is sort of off the beaten path and away from what you were saying i don't mean to derail anything but all the food in this movie what like the movie goblin or fucking trolch i just called the movie goblin (sighs) well i may as well but i mean uh, i mean all the food in this movie looks like absolutely fucking revolting like this this is the anti-spirit english muffins with like (laughs) with like green goop or like corn on the cob with like toothpaste on the top like it it's so gross but like during that like that scene where they invite them all over to the house and it's like we're having a party like eat dance and eat my children like I, that's so weird. yeah they just yeah. take over the fucking yeah. house i remember Ugh. cameron like in high school like learned how to play that song on piano and when we had like parties he would like go to the piano and start playing that song and we'd all start like clapping our hands and saying like dance and eat my children <laughs> i don't know why i'm thinking of this now but it's a very it's a good ass story. It's a very fond memory. But yeah, the food in this film disgusting. I would never eat it. Did you guys ever try to replicate any of this food, like whether making it uh, taste good or not? Did you ever go that uh, far no, in your troll no. parties? But we did have like troll two like screenings all the time, where like we would just like get together and like a bunch of people would watch it, and like everyone in my family has seen this like many times, and yeah nice yeah you could definitely do like a good troll two cake at a party and it would actually be enjoyable but yeah the 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 other stuff is like way too hard to figure out because it is so otherworldly like you couldn't make that taste good if you tried whatever you put on corn on the cob that looks so green and thick like that like it's not gonna it's not gonna be good and so that's one of the most memorable things about the movie too that makes it stick out that's something so small it's like it's like the spoons that are framed in the room (laughs) 
You know, it's just so strange and memorable. And the fact that none of them seem to question it at all. And they're just like, oh, sick. All this food that's topped with green stuff. Let's dig that in. That so, fucking disgusting. Like, I wouldn't eat it if somebody like, if, if I was like, even if I was like starved and I'd just been on a road trip. Like, if I came in to like green goop English muffin or like, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. Couldn't pay me enough money to eat that food. Yeah. Yeah, the, the and I'm not a picky. I'm not though. a picky eater. I'm like, but yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, do I it. just, I, I don't understand why, um, you know, like when, when the the Nilbog people are having the house party at the end and they they're bringing out all this food. I don't understand why it's not just like vegetables and stuff. Like if they're vegetarian, they love green stuff. Like I, un- I understand that food that's topped with green goop like looks more creepy and and unsettling and just weird and so that's one of those things in the movie where i guess i could uh, i could fathom that the script writing or like the directing is meant to be a bit uh over the top and comedic just because i i can't understand any other way why they would put something like that in the movie and then not acknowledge it when you could just as easily tell the same story and have the family being fed vegetables because that way when the the uh, Nilbog people get to eat them, it's like, yo, you're full of vegetables and I love it. But instead, it's this green goop. I just it's it's so it's so strange and unique. I, I really am. Oh, my. I'm blown away by it. Yeah, I understand its reputation now. Oh, that's the simplest way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's just like so many delightful moments in this movie it's it's really meant to be savored i hope you both like revisit it over the years like it's uh well, i think oh, we I think have to will. revisit it together now yeah I think co- that's our our obligation i was yeah. i was i was so close to watching this a second time before uh we recorded the episode just for fun on by myself i was trying to recruit people to watch it with me and i couldn't get anyone and because it's sort of tough to get to availability right now like it just got removed to from renting on amazon prime on may 31st and so uh, and then i tried to i tried to order myself the blu-ray of it from uh scream factory so that i could have it and you know have my own troll two parties because i could tell right when i saw this i was like i'm i'm gonna rewatch this movie a bunch um and i it's out of print on scream factory sold out they're not printing it anymore and if you go to like amazon or uh any other sites where people sell a secondhand stuff like that uh it's going for like 200 dollars. it's people are after this movie and uh it's it's tough because i i it, it's a movie that needs to be widely accessible and it should be and i'm sure it has been at times you know like it's the sort of the movie it's the sort of movie that would have been divided up into nine parts on like youtube 2008 but at this moment in time it's tough to get a hold of which is a shame because it's 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 a it's a rewatcher for sure how do you fellas feel about the ending? That's one thing we haven't talked about. It's uh, it kind of lost me by that point. I don't really. Yummy mom, mom is so good. That's what the baseball says, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just some goblin antics. I guess I didn't think much of it at all. Really, <laughs> that's it a kind of sad. Band, it's a sad antics. ending. Like it's a sad, like sudden sort of shot. Like his mom just gets. It's got the ending devoured. Like that a uh, um. Uh, what are they called? Stories you tell to kids? Fairy tale. <laughs> the Brothers Grimm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got that kind of vibe to it. Yeah, but with, with more baseball. 
I really like it in concept. I found it like a bit confusing when it happened. I was just thinking like, what significance did the apple have? Maybe you can tell me, Mitch, like why is she so interested in eating this apple and then she quickly gets devoured? Like where did the goblins <laughs> come from? Like How the did only, they follow her? It's the only good looking piece of food in the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, like it's finally a reprieve, and then it's all fucked. Yeah. I think. Maybe so, the, did the goblins just like follow them home? Well, no, that was the Pleasant family. Can... The Pleasant family did it. They're the ones who eat them in the end because they've got like the key to the house. So they go in, and their whole home share yeah. thing fucks oh! them up in the end. Oh, I, d- I didn't I mean, even yeah, make that were, connection because the family was still in Nilbog, but they did have a key, right? So that's right. Yeah, because they they ran into the family and they were like, "Yo, why aren't you at our house yet?" They said they were leaving tonight. So oh, we had I see. So car they're... trouble. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, knowing that, I think that's that's awesome. That's a total. Like again, if I wrote this in the third grade, that's the sort of ending I would have. It's like yeah, I love that it's some R. L. Stein shit through. Yeah, and yeah. um. <laughs> so I, I love dark endings like that i think the makeup is good there and in a lot of other places in the movie um like the fact that you see her naked body you know yeah, like, like it's her not, gelatinous it's not... like goblin goopy breast like it's it's yes honestly terrible, like man. yeah i think that's really really unsettling um and then you just have joshua screaming and again your mileage on the kids performance there may vary but really notable from best worst movie documentary core you yeah. might be uh happy to well not happy you might be <laughs> it might uh surprise you, you might to hear learn this. this information now that i'm saying it to you. <laughs> i really i really you vibe might with enjoy the, the information i really vibe with the the freeze frame ending where it just like he screams and he looks terribly distressed and it just ends on his open mouth it's Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a freeze frame ending, especially when that freeze frame yeah. is coupled with something negative, you know, because Breakfast yeah. Club has set the template for this is a positive thing, but uh, freeze frame at the end when something negative is and happening. And something so ambiguous, wicked. like you don't really know what's going to happen to poor Josh, but his family are gone and they're just eating his mom. Yeah, it's a great. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, a, that's it's like a second rate ending, but like I kind of vibe with it. Like, I, I don't know. It's how I would. Oh, yeah, it. it it, it's a great 80s like schlock horror movie ending like sleepaway camp does the same thing the pit does the same thing um and yeah so this joshua's screams here Corey. um in best worst movie they basically managed to track down the entire cast and a lot of the crew that worked on troll 2 it's the dude who played michael and the joshua all grown up who directed the documentary they work together to track down everyone involved with troll 2 and get their thoughts and the last person that they have to find is the woman who played uh michael's wife in the movie they're they're the one person that they can't get and finally they figure out where she lives and they knock on her door um and uh it's this like big reveal moment where they kind of hold off on showing what she looks like and stuff they're they're talking to her and she's obscured uh because the camera's filming from a distance and and finally they get in and um and it's the the mom from troll too and she looks she looks beautiful she looks great and so um uh, it's it's like okay we're I'm kind of I'm right back in troll two now uh, this looks exactly like her what 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 kind of could have gone wrong here and they start talking to her and uh, she reveals that she's just like um, she's wanted to act since then but her life has kind of gone into shambles and she doesn't go into detail as to why that is but the implication from what we've what we see is that she's taking care of i think it's her, her mother i don't know if they say it, but it's a very elderly woman that lives with her in this house 
Um, and she basically just says that, you know, she, she can't leave this house. She can't go to any conventions. Uh, she won't go and meet anyone else uh, that was involved with the movie. She just has to stay home. But she's she's still very pleasant. Like she does a reenactment with Michael and Joshua of the uh, row, row, row your boat scene in she, they, they film it in the house. Anyway, uh, one of the things she says about the movie in reflecting on it, she is one of like three people interviewed in the movie that think Troll 2 is amazing. The other two people being the director and his wife, the, the two Italian <laughs> people that were in charge of the movie. All the actors, of course, are like, yeah, it's so bad. My acting was bad. Uh, the, the direction was so wild. Such a weird experience. And now they're embracing that it's a bad movie. But her, she stayed at home the last 20 years. And her thoughts on Troll 2 are that it is incredible it's a character piece it's a it's a piece about a family um it's uh up there with stuff like casablanca because it it's it's not like a modern day movie she says where there's action and car chases and and blood and guts and uh um she she says like this is a there's goop for sure but she says this is like a proper character piece movie and she says that when joshua is screaming at the end when she when he finds uh, her character dead being eaten by goblins she says to the to uh, Joshua who is now all grown up she says to him when you are doing that and I'm watching this movie I really believed that you're seeing your mom get eaten and she starts to tear up as she's talking about it she's like she's absolutely blown away by this kid's performance and by the movie in general and I just think I think that is so unique that this movie can like still have that effect on people and i think that's because it in format is like going for proper movie but then there's just all these sorts of eccentricities in it and so if you're an eccentric person i think it's very possible that the movie is just gonna come across as like a standard movie i don't know there's a lot of layers to this thing it's hard to parse yeah totally I don't know how to follow that. So perhaps do we do we leave it there? Do we leave it on the profundity of the layers of the human experience in relation to Troll 2? Hey, that works for me. All right, fellas. 100 episodes in the can. We did it. We're here. Uh, I'm going to do a bit of an unconventional out for us uh, because we know what we're watching next week. Uh, it's 10 Cloverfield Lane if you missed the previous episode. We picked it early, picked it out with Jade, who may or may not be joining us. We're, we're figuring out the logistics as we often are. But um, yeah, what a way to cap off 100 episodes, I think, with Troll 2. I'm sure we could go a lot longer than we have, but you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll have to do an in-person screening and an in-person podcast at some point if we ever have the, uh, the ability to do that. But um, thanks to everybody who's listened through 100 episodes if you just got here if you've been here the whole time i don't know how to adequately thank everybody so i won't try to get too complicated with it but we really appreciate that you're here and you're listening and i think we're looking forward to a lot more we'll get into more of the sappy stuff in a couple of weeks but um yeah so i think there's really only one thing i can say which is a mitch do you have anything you want to plug Liam, for a 100th time, do you have anything you want to plug? Yes. 
I've done it 99 times and I've decided it's it, it doesn't get old. It's I still will worth keep it. doing it. <laughs> I, I told myself when we started this podcast that I'll give it 99 tries. And if after that, I think that it's not working, if it's not worth mentioning, I'll stop. I'll but, <laughs> but you know what? I, I think it's good. Uh, people can check out my Troll 2 thoughts or you can message me about Troll 2. I'm glad to talk about it more uh, on Twitter and Letterboxd, my film writing alter ego is Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, and my handle for both of those platforms is Graham the Mallow. Perfect. Thank you for that. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other podcasts I do with our friend Neil, MK Podquest. Uh, that's where you'll find it on all the podcast services. Right now, we're watching Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, which is a cartoon from the 90s, and it's got a lot of shit going on, as does Troll 2 as does this show. We're looking forward to having a lot more going on in the future, trying out some new stuff, seeing what we can get to. But uh, one thing that won't change is that I want to say thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find the show all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and a recording of you and your friends singing that song that we like so much. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with that all out of the way, 10 Cloverfield Lane next week for episode 101 of They Made Another One. Corey, will you sing that song I like so much? Row, row, Liam, row you sing too. Randy down, down the stream. Row, row, row your boat. Barely, 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 Liam, you just set me up to demolish you so hard in Scrabble. Oh, my God. <laughs> Corey, eyes on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Corey and I play Scrabble throughout these podcasts. Uh, I'm not going to keep that in. Sorry. But I can't believe you didn't play nah, it. No, anyway. man. Keep it in. Keep it in.